0: But yeah, I mean, praying with other men—it's
1: a and great coffee. thing.
0: Yep, yeah, there is coffee.
2: That's <laughs> all yeah. I
0: yeah. love this coffee. Well, I used to have coffee watching it brew, and so then I just started using my home.
3: All right. Well, for those that are listening uh, online, um, we're on the fiftieth portion of the year, Kītīsā. When you, uh, when, you enter. So, when you enter the
1: land, it's going to be
3: Kitabo when you enter the land. That's right, Kitabo. Right? Yes, Kitabo. Yeah. I better rename this thing before it gets published. Um, <laughs> yeah. Does anybody know the name of the fortune? No, that was last week. Yeah. All right. So. Um, Let me fix that. Key Tabo, yeah. You can take out what I
2: said about the. It was not. Okay.
3: So, uh, anyway, uh, thank you for that correction. It is, uh, in fact, Key Tabo. Um, The first time we heard the name of this portion in Ashkenazi was when we were actually visiting the uh, Wellsprings Wellsprings of Torah down in Waxhaw. And uh, a tall, bald man got up to uh, read and he Started out, and started reading a portion in Hebrew. It was was pretty cool. So, uh, 50th portion of the year, uh, for those of you who are keeping track, uh, the 54th portion, uh, the last one, is not read in the synagogue. So that only leaves three that are done on Shabbat, that are left before we have uh, Rosh Hashanah. And uh, we won't be meeting for a lot of those. I think we meet one more time, right? This is the second, so we'll meet for the fourth two weeks from now, which will be the last one, right? Uh, Am I missing I, that, or
1: yes, well, the next time we meet after Rosh Hashanah, and I guess
3: yeah, two <laughs> more before the know, pause there, because uh, if you're not if you haven't done this before, Rosh Hashanah is is the head of the year, but it is not when we do the Torah cycle. The Torah cycle starts at the end of uh, Sukkot. So, uh, pretty cool deal. So, within two weeks, we've got the Toshlik server for Oshashana, which I I would put it up against probably one of my favorite days of the year. I really would. I mean, it's an extraordinary time. We get together, uh, we laugh and uh, steal each other's food and you know, eat weird things that other people brought. And, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully Susie's going to have that, that weird cheese thing that was here today that probably has no cheese in it at all, but it's just cool. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Friends are welcome. If anyone-
3: yeah, it's, a, it's what we call a bridge event, it's right? So we want to invite all the weird people we know who are tourist sensitive right? Mm-hmm. Um, we always remember blowing the shofar is a part of this day, so you want to bring your shofarim. I'm gonna bring a tiny one to be big one, that's fine. Blow them at the same time, that's cool too. You know, Joshua's gonna do three at a time this year I right hear. so you never know. Um, we're gonna try and do what we did last year, which will be, uh, uh, if Greg uh, is here, uh, he'll lead us in the appropriate blowings. If he's not here, I'm gonna take that role and not blow this year. So somebody else can, uh, can actually be the blowhard and, and hold, the long, hold the longest uh, tone. Can um, have a heart attack. Can <laughs> have a heart attack. I understand. I turn different colors. That.
1: Um, so that's that's
3: Rosh Hashanah, and then of course that will kick off the, the ten high holy days. The high holy days, um, final opportunity. You, the scriptures teach. The sages teach that the books are opened on Rosh Hashanah, and then they'll uh, they'll be closed on Yom Kippur. Um, I pray that you're all inscribed for a. Uh, spectacular year ahead. Um,
1: and week, isn't Yom Kippur on a Shabbat. It is. is so for cool. the can you explain the, that? Yeah.
3: yeah um, it is. Uh, I mean, Shabbat trumps everything. Shabbat trumps everything but life. If life is 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 at hand, Shabbat, uh, Shabbat takes a back seat. It also takes a back seat to Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement is so important to God that uh, it's the only thing that would override that. So, so our, it is a fast day. It is, our joy oh. is uh, is actually put aside for 25 hours. So 18 minutes before sunset on Friday evening uh, is when Yom Kippur will start. Uh, I hope you'll all come here and experience the Kol uh, uh, Nidre com- com- dre- com- dre- service, uh, all vows, and we'll talk about that future date. Um, But that's great. You've got a kittle, you want to wear that. Uh, Everyone will dress in white as much as possible. No jewelry, no uh, leather, um, stuff like that. So that's, uh, you said that we'll be together for Rosh Hashanah next, before our next Shabbat service? Yeah. Next Shabbat service is the 23rd, Rosh Hashanah
1: is the 21st.
3: Okay, so we will meet.
1: The week after
3: that. Okay, so the Fast of Gedaliah is uh, in the High Holy Days. It's the day after Rosh Hashanah or two days after. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. In this case, I think it'll be two days after because that fast will not overtake Shabbat. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the Fast of Gedaliah is normally my (coughs) mother's yard site. We'll check that. yeah. So then uh, we come for Colney Dre, and it's the only time that the, co- the community gets together, and we don't leave with uh, slaps on the back and handshakes and hugs and hope you have a great week kind of thing. We just kind of uh, and and leave uh, as we begin the fast. The fast I have found personally, I think everyone else would be able to uh, um, agree, is really not as bad as it used to be. <laughs> if you're constantly busy traveling to another home and getting ready and doing the prayers. If you're sitting at home, wondering why the peanut butter and jelly sandwich can be eaten, it'll <laughs> drive you nuts and you'll feel like the the fast is
1: horrible. We, would, we typically try to time the, the do our prayers in the morning, and then have it and time the afternoon close enough so you can kind of go from one to the other. Exactly. Go home and-
3: yeah, we don't want anybody, Sorry. certainly don't want anybody to have to drive back home if they're more than you know, 20 minutes away, so. We'll, uh, we'll have rooms available for those who are uh, yeah. more than 20 minutes away to change, nap, shower if you want, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, please make, make, uh, make use of that. Okay. Uh, the bottom line is that uh, at the end of the fast, we'll close it we, after a bunch of uh, Chakrit, Minkah prayers and all that. We'll close it with uh, the Nela, where the gates the city are being closed and the books are being closed, and we cry out to God one last time. And I can still remember the year that I guess it was the first Neila, maybe second Neila, where we were literally crying out to God. And I, I just felt just that that heartfelt cry to God. It was extraordinary. It ends with the blow, final blowing of the shofar and then Onik. So uh, the Nailah will bring uh, food uh, for Leone <coughs> and uh, we'll break fast together as a community. Awesome. And then go yeah. home and build your sukkah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Throw the first nail into the sukkah that yeah. night. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're righteous, if you're not then just wait for the morning. Which is um, Sunday. Sorry? Which
1: is Which is Sunday, Sunday. so you've got plenty of
3: day off from work, so yeah. Yeah. you can go out and do that.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, build the sukkah and that will, uh, five days later, we'll begin uh, Sukkot and uh, Wonderful time! I hope we'll get invited to everybody's suka. We'll just do some suka hopping this year, and uh, I've always enjoyed that. I
1: heard a rumor that yours is open one day. It definitely event, will or? be
3: open at least one day. Certainly, uh, uh, Mrs. Squitterini will choose okay. the uh, soup and suka party night, which I don't know which. I day. always
1: have it on the Sunday. Which is your favorite? Which is our so
3: anniversary, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I will go ahead and put that on the calendar. Yeah, right? you know, feel free if you want to bring a 38th anniversary gift.
1: Fine. Dad, no it's problem. not anywhere near 38th. It'd be a little bit early for that. Like, 34th, yeah, big <laughs> 30. It's 58. 34th, right? <laughs>
3: 34th anniversary gift, yeah. Um, you're welcome to bring those and just see those in the left corner of the sukkah. Be fine. cash um, yeah, is always helpful. <laughs> and Sukkot will be great, and uh, and then throughout that we'll have a a week of uh, wonderful time. We'll close um, after Sukkot, the seven-day feast of Sukkot. will end the eighth day, Simchat Torah, and uh, Shemini Atzeret are on the same day uh, here outside the land, and we will uh, meet for Simchat Torah as we did last year and maybe the year before, I think, at uh, the Bartos home, uh, where, have you been to that yet? No. We will read the entire Torah out loud, all at the same time. (laughs) There will be not a cacophony, Mm -hmm. word of the day, cacophony, but a harmonious Mm -hmm. melody of the song of Messiah.
1: We read the whole thing and it only takes nap.
3: Or less, depending how many people we have. We have yeah. done it in, uh, in an amazing amount of time. We have a lot of people, but uh, yes. Uh, well, and the
1: more readers, the better. That's, that's right. another one. That the portion the strips,
3: the portions we laid out in strips in a in a box. You just come up and grab one of those, and you read out loud. We'll start with the youngest member reading member of the. Uh, of the uh, community uh, who we'll read Genesis chapter 1. I
2: think it is. Again? It is you again. I'm is again. this the
3: ninth year in a row for you? I think it is. Yeah. How old are you?
1: 11.
3: You're nine now? i eight. He's eight now? Eighth year. He's no. the eighth year in a row? How <laughs> oh, are 46? How old are you? 11. You're 11. And you've read it for, this is the ninth year? Eighth year. Eighth. The eighth year, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. We're really working it.
1: Yeah. So you may be off duty from now on. This may
3: be your last thing, so yeah. you know if pretty you do it in French, I'll be pretty proud. Maybe could say the first
1: verse. Yeah. Oh.
3: Yeah. Sure so anyway, sure so, anyway sure do could, you get out of this just
1: before your oh, wow.
3: yeah. <laughs> So the youngest, young, the youngest person in oh. the community will read the, uh, the first be chapter be of Genesis. <laughs> We'll all read the Torah out loud until we've exhausted all of the last chapter of uh, Deuteronomy. And then the eldest (coughs) member of the community who's present. Eldest male. this male. Who is the Christ? And then we will begin the uh, Torah cycle one more time. Mm Who is the oldest this year?
1: Mr. Spurlock. Mr.
3: Spurlock is the oldest gentleman who regularly is in the community. If he's out of town, as I think they will be, uh, I and think I'm second in command. command. Your first. father, I believe. is oh, yes. Yeah,
1: it would be my dad if
3: he comes. If he comes. yes, yeah. It would be your dad. That's good. He is uh, two years older than me. So there it is. So we'll read the last uh, chapter. I see. It'll be great. So that's what's coming up. I, I hope everybody's going to get involved because that's what makes the community happen there. So mm-hmm. cool stuff.
1: Did we go on vacation after that? yeah, yeah. So that, um, <laughs> we, we have, have a baby oh you have a yeah, baby after yeah. better stay in town
3: <laughs> so um, during the high holy days so I just want to make this clear during the high holy days the high holy days are 10 days these are the days of Pah, right? so it's from 1 Tishri until 10 that would be from Rosh Hashanah Tashli Yom Teruah until Yom Kippur um, we will not have class during that week we will have class the following week because that will be during Sukkot, and uh, we will have uh, class in the sukkah. It'll be very cool. I'll we'll try and provide as much cheese and goodies for you guys as possible.
2: All right, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna look at the scripture. Yeah, we'll dive in. Let's do it. Well, this week I thought I would just ask first before quizzing or anything. You know, just yes, sir. Are we going to what? that is a good idea. You know, you must be Bar Mitzvah, son of the commandments. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a really good idea. That, that is a good idea. idea.
3: Shall, let's just sing the first part of that, shall we? Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Menachah Olam Hazanet Olam Golo Betul
1: Bechek Bech Chesed Rachami Ulam Ten Mencholah Fores Kiler Lachat Zol Utuvo HaGadol
0: do thank,
2: thank you thank you for the reminder excellent job so well, I just I just thought I would ask uh, First, I'm kind of assuming everybody goes through the portion here and there throughout the week. So, Sophia, what was something that you remembered from this week's portion? Faith? Did you say faith? Yeah.
1: No, faith. Figs. figs. Oh, oh, figs. yes. So we did a oh, little bit fruits. of a yes. We did a little bit
2: of a drosh. Rashi. According to Rashi, first fruits wasn't just like anything. You know, if you were growing pumpkins, that wouldn't really count. Yeah, pumpkins, it was the foods. seven species, uh, right? Yeah, and figs yeah. were one of them. So we reviewed that this morning. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good, Sophia. That's good, mm. Micah. Anything? Anything from this week's portion? What do you? What kind of stood out to you? What, what did you remember?
3: I tell you what I remember. Okay. The curses okay. take a long time to read. Yes. That's <laughs> point.
2: well. So that, and that's fine. That's fine. It, it's it is. There was a lot this week for sure. But um, one of the things that I was going to talk to the kids about was a really really cool idea that comes from this week's portion. Now, the next question you should be able to answer right off the bat. Sophia, I'll ask you first. What's like the most fun day of the year? Rosh Hashanah! Rosh Hashanah, okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. There's, no, there's no wrong answer, by the way. That's a good one, though. Michael, what's, what do you think is the most fun day of the year? Uh, does it
1: have to be high holiday?
2: Oh, it's no. your birthday, <laughs> the, <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's okay if it's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> high um.
2: To you, what's the most fun day of the year? What day do you look forward to?
1: First day of school. <laughs> <laughs> um. school. My birthday. Your
2: birthday. Okay. Yeah, that's, that is a, I'm sure that is a lot of fun. One of the things we see here in this week's portion is how important it is to make all of the times that we either keep a mitzvah or there is a festival, like the most fun day of the year. Just last night, there was this really cool thing that happened. We were over here for Erev Shabbat, and Sophia and Zoe were about to go upstairs to go play with dolls, which they loved doing. And it was really funny, because their grandfather looked at them very seriously and said, Wait, oh yeah, hold on a second, hold on a second. I need you to do something. And they got really serious and looked at him. And he leaned forward and said, I need you to make sure that you have a lot of fun up there, okay? <laughs> because it's Shabbat. And I thought that was so cool because that is exactly what Hashem mentions here in this week's portion. This is in chapter 28, verse 46 and it says, these will be as a sign and a wonder upon you and upon your children forever because you did not serve God your God with joy and with gladness of heart when you had an abundance of everything. All of these curses that we read about, all of these issues that they ran into, the sages say that was because it wasn't all those mitzvahs weren't done with joy, right. with an abundance of joy. They didn't make it their most fun thing. And so this is a really cool lesson for all of us, I think, so that we were trying to remember things that we do on our birthday. Maybe we could try doing those on Shabbat, and we could try doing those on Sukkot, and we could try making God's days and then the things that we do uh, for, for God the most special things that we do. It was really cool the other day. Sophia got so excited because we just happened to be driving by a guy and I just happened to have a couple bucks in my wallet and, you know, he had his little sign and everything. We we gave him some Zadaka. I, I wasn't even as excited, but Sophia got so excited about that. She was telling people at Trader Joe's, you'll never believe what we did. We had the opportunity to give a guy, you know, and it was it was really cool too. Yeah, Zadaka. It was really cool too because uh, Sophia said, um, wow that was so nice of us to give him money and Morgan said uh, actually actually it was so nice of Hashem to put him in our lives so that we could keep a mitzvah and I thought that was a, such a nice. great way of seeing it nice. so anyway hey, did, very did,
3: important did, did you to see enjoy. what the Rebbe said about what you just said right? Yeah. I therefore offer the following suggestion a request that we increase in joy with the intent of actually bringing Mashiach and the true and complete
2: redemption yeah, these guys were looking forward to the coming of Messiah. Okay. I and that that little quote reminded me a lot of like the the parable of the the ten virgins. Yeah. You know that they it wasn't just that they were prepared. It, there was a lot of Get excitement and anticipation yes, and joy right. about the arrival of the bridegroom. You know, so it I, I I think that's spectacular. Just relating it all back. It's not joy just for the sake of joy, but it's really joy in anticipation of Messiah's return. <laughs> and potentially doing whatever mitzvah it is or participating in whatever holiday it is but with Him Mm -hmm. which would make it just that much more amazing and of course part of this too is why the fast days are important there's got to be days that are sad because that way when when Yeshua comes back then those days will be turned to joy and if they haven't been sad for us before then how are they going to be joyful for us when He comes back Mm -hmm. so it makes us want Him to come back even more just like it makes us want food even more when we go without it. That's right. So an important thing to remember, always be joyful, especially when we're keeping a mitzvah. So, the beginning of this week's portion, the name of this week's portion, there's a really, really cool drash. Well, first, actually, I was going to show everybody. This is such an interesting thing to see. This, this week's portion is really popular and famous for the unbelievable curses that are listed here. I mean, they are they are really horrific curses. But one thing that I thought was interesting is if you look at this page, this was from last week's portion. There are so many Mits vote in last week's portion. I mean, there is a ton. Look at, I mean, that page, they, they have to use like a tiny little font just to fit them all on that page. But then you flip over to the end of this week's portion and I think there's like five or six. Yeah, it's like barely anything. It's right here. Yeah, there's only, little, there's only six, little, uh, six little mitzvot out of, out of that huge list that we just had, and there's only like six in this week's portion. But I think that's for a reason, because this portion is emphasizing what happens when you don't keep all of those portions, when you don't keep all of those mitzvot that we just learned about and there are some good ones in here too that, that we'll, we'll kind of go through, but I think that's a, a very interesting thing about this week's portion that sort of sets it apart, that it's, uh, it, it, goes, it dives into the consequences and, of course, the blessings too when you keep them. But it's neat because the beginning in the uh, Gutnik Chumash, the beginning sort of frames, it uses the, the title of the portion to sort of frame the, that, that keeping of the mitzvot because Ki tavo. It means when you enter. So of course we see in our, the, the very first part of our, of our portion, when will it, uh, what will happen is when you enter the land, which God, your God is giving you as an inheritance, you should take possession of it and settle in it. So the, uh, the very first little thing, Josh is a bit about when you enter, or, you know, th- this is a kind of an interesting phrase. And so it goes into like, well, how do we know when you've entered? What if you like you just put, like, an arm in the land. You didn't go all the way in, you know? Well, what, if, what if, like, you went in, but your wife and kids didn't yet, you know? Like, what... what it's going through, like, all these questions, like, have you really, like, entered the land at that point? And it, it's a great... The, uh, the Talmud actually just goes ahead and clarifies that, and it says, partial entry is not considered entry. The, the true entry into the land is when... It, what it says right here in this week's portion, when they conquered the land and divided it. It's at that point that the land became theirs. And it's cool because it, this goes through a bit of a lesson that we can derive from that. And that is when we keep a mitzvah, we don't want to do it just like a little bit. We want to do it like with everything. We want to we want to enter into the keeping of that mitzvah with complete and total immersion is, is the uh, the little drosh here. And I thought that was a really cool point because th- we see what what go, what we have here in this week's portion all of these amazing blessings that result from keeping the mitzvot and and how much more so if we keep them with immense joy and we keep them with all of us right and that's that's the main commandment love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength i mean that's like borderline impossible of how incredible that is but i mean it's, it's a mitzvah that's what we're supposed to we're supposed to strive for with the help of hashem so that I thought that was a, that was a cool introduction to, to this week's portion nice. and then it kind of dives in of course to the uh, the first fruits and that's what we ended up talking about which is why Sophia said figs because I thought that was kind of an interesting point as well that you know the first fruits were were the first fruits of these really special things that were special about the land uh, and I thought that was neat the, the other cool thing too is that I love I mean I for, for years and years and years I probably just Freeze right over this whole idea of first fruits without really even thinking much of it. But it feels like sometimes it's that very thing that sets the stages off on all kinds of interesting tangents and all kinds of interesting, like, drashes, you know? And one of the cool things that they had started talking about, and the Gutnik sort of fills it in, is like the timing of all this. So it talks about that this, what we're reading, these first fruits, is is the third year first fruits. And it's cool because the third year first fruits come with a really interesting. Uh, participation with the the Levite, the widow, the a, orphan. You get a ceremony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got a ceremony with the uh, with the, the declaration that you bring, but then you also have this uh, this moment where you get to participate in in the giving of the first fruits with the lowly brother, right? They, they're still they're still brothers and sisters, but they're they're widows, orphans, converts. It you know it talks about, and so uh, that that is also kind of a cool. Opportunity to be able to do that, you know. This special tithe is done with those people, and we see, of course, how that mirrors Yeshua's life. I mean, the most special person to walk the face of the earth, and everybody was talking about. He's always hanging out with the the tax collectors, the sinners, you know. Regular people. Yeah, yeah. So this this is done in the temple.
3: You bring you bring this first fruits, these first fruits, to the temple. Yeah. So you have to go inside the temple, and. You say you, you make this declaration to the priest, isn't that what
2: it says?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Right?
2: So Yeah, you hold the basket and you say out loud before God your God. Verse three, you should come to the
3: priest and say to him, I'm 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 declaring, blah blah blah, the priest will take the basket from your hand, wave it together with you, and then place it before the altar of God, which is in the temple. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go through, you hold the basket and and do the deal in verse 5 about the Aramean and so forth. Yeah. So to your point, everybody's supposed to do this, including the convert. You are from the widow and all that. So at some point, those of us who have converted to Judaism and have chosen to serve the God of Israel, love the God of Israel, love the, the people of Israel, the people, and the land, and his Torah. will be allowed not just to be in the court of the Gentiles, on the outside behind the women, but actually go inside mm-hmm. and make this declaration.
2: Yeah, and the uh, Tim Hag had a great Josh about this this week, talking about verse 11 there, where it points out exactly what you're saying. Then you will rejoice with all the good that God your God has granted you and your household both you, the Levite, and the convert who is among you. And that, uh, this adds both because it is kind of, Rashi kind of says like, oh, well, yes, sure, the convert does bring the first fruits but he doesn't recite the declaration. The reason that would be problematic for him is because Tim Pegg points out, look at, look at what's declared. Look at the declaration. The declaration is, it's really remarkable. It says, you know, the, Levon, the Aramean, tried to destroy my father. And he went down to Egypt. And so it, it, the whole thing is about, like, my father, my forefathers. And he's pointing out that, like, oh, well, we know who that is, talking about Jacob, right? And, like, that is, that he, Tim Hague points out, like, that's pretty remarkable. Like, this is basically a, a great uh, support for this whole idea that, yes, it is that the, the stranger, the Gare, as this word okay. is here, yeah. that, uh, that that is a person that participates fully and considers the forefathers his fathers as well just like Ruth said your God is my God verse 7 we cried out to God God of our fathers
1: yeah yeah. so you're you're also making the point there that it's done in the temple and this this, uh, ritual is something we wouldn't do now right? the
3: ritual is something we wouldn't do but my point was not that we wouldn't do it now although that's true because we don't have a temple but right. that even if the temple were up, the Jews mm-hmm. traditionally would separate the men from the yeah. women in the sure. court of the women. And outside the court of the women would be the court of the Gentiles with the, the soreg that has right, the, right. The, the thing saying, if you come through here, we'll kill you. So um, the, we... the way the Orthodox would look at it is that these are converts and therefore have done ritual conversion and therefore are considered Jews. I would argue that if they're really considered Jews and you would then call them Jews and their children are Jewish, then the word gear does not work for them. And it's the ger, as Gregory is saying, that is going to make this declaration. Not a ger who was converted and is now no longer goy, but Yehudi. So that, that's, that's
2: And I am making a separate point
1: that there's a faction of the messianic community that does it now. Sure. We have we've, yeah. we've been there. There's, there's,
3: there's yeah. a, there's a yeah. faction of the of the messianic community that also wants to, you know, make their own calendar and yeah. do all right, that right. cool stuff. Yeah.
1: And there yeah. Where you do this blessing now or like as part of Sukkot or anything. But I I think it's your point about the altar it's, it should be done at the time.
2: You bet, and it makes sense given the context that yeah. it, that we wouldn't do that today, just like we wouldn't give all the other offerings. Sure, but what's cool and is you can, that you, and have you can have look and
3: see that this particular one comes
2: under the list of its vote that are only done in the land. In the land sure, yeah. exactly. And and we we see what the Orthodox have done because they knew that we couldn't do this, and that's they've added a lot of really cool prayers for yeah. when when it is right, first fruits, you know, and and they also consider the, all the high holy days. For Times that are very auspicious for giving a lot of charity, right. and it's in—it's kind of like a, an ode to this, you know. It's it's in remembrance of these mitzvot we that we convince, can't do we right can do now. But it's like, hey, I want to do something, right. you know. Which is really—that's a cool attitude to have. It's like, oh, I can't do this. Oh man, I'm so bummed. Like maybe I should just give a bunch of money to the poor and you know right. pray some cool right. prayers about remembering these things. So there, there's there's ways of, of participating in in the spirit of it, but without trying to replicate it perfectly in, in this time that we're in, in, a, in Galut in, in the Galut,
3: right. You, you bring up a good point, though, Morgan, that there, I guess, at least at Bellatora, I think we tend to forget the fact that just as there are factions and denominations, if you will, in Christendom, mm-hmm. there's factions and denominations within Judaism. Unfortunately, there's also factions and denominations and and so forth in the messianic yes. movement, and um, we yes. we've t- we tended to try and um, make any of them
2: welcome here, mm-hmm. unless they're Carols. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> well, um, one of the uh, what is, while we're just still on this little declaration. It is kind of interesting that it talks about an Aramean trying to destroy my father. It also talks about the the, uh, affliction that they experienced in Egypt. Uh, And, of course, somebody much smarter than me would have asked the question, why only these two? There was a lot of really cool stuff that happened to them, like, even around the same time. Why do we only mention these two when we're declaring our thanksgiving to Hashem and trying to reflect on all of His goodness? And... That is, a, there's a really neat explanation uh, in Lekutei Sechot, and it talks about how, yes, of course, of course, there are other neat things that happened, right? The Red Sea, you, you've got, like, the, uh, the Yaakov being saved from Esau, you've got the am- amazing war with Amalek, the, the manna, the supply of water in the desert, all of those things were amazing. The reason that both of these two things are specifically mentioned in this declaration is because these are two things that took place when the children of Israel were in a, a stationary place, when they had settled somewhere. Hmm. The, the issue with Levon happened when Jacob had settled with him for 20 years. Oh, so, 20. He the, yeah, yeah, so he was there. Yeah, so he was there. And then the period it's describing in Egypt was 210 years. Hmm. So these were established places where these miracles took place. Oh, cool. The other ones, they were on the move. And we want to remember these two specifically because of, of thinking about that stationary place because this is now happening in a new stationary place, in mm-hmm. the place that he had promised us. I thought that was really cool. It's a good explanation. Well, we can kind of keep going here. The uh, got more about the uh, the tithes declaration, you know, needing to, uh, this this kind of reminded me a bit of almost like, did we, you know, the uh, the confession that you do before Yom Kippur? You know, you even if even if you didn't participate in the sins that it describes it's still good to just go through them as if you did you know to just kind of make sure that you're reminding yourself of not doing those things and this is this declaration is it almost sounds a bit like that that you're talking about all the things that you didn't participate in um so so that you can actually uh, give this this offering with a clean conscience you
3: know you always talk about uh... Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who was the uh, chief rabbi of Great Britain, wasn't? Yes. And did you notice that they're they're quoting Rabbi Eliyahu of London? I wonder oh, if they know that each other, you know. Women are obligated in this mitzvah. Write that down, ladies.
2: Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, he he had a really interesting, uh, really interesting thing this this year. That and um, thank you because that was a perfect segue. If we go down twenty-six, uh, chapter twenty-six. We go down to verse 17 and 18. Um, there's this really, really interesting, and again, I, I really wouldn't have ever picked this up had I not read this, but Rabbi Jonathan Sachs had a, an interesting commentary on two Hebrew words that are used in both of these verses. There's a lot of, of speculation about the, the actual translation of the verse. Uh, in 17 and 18, the word that I have is the word selected, Today you have selected God. Everybody probably has something. Different. What does someone else have? Distinguished. 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 Okay. Anybody else have something different? In seventeen. Yeah, in 17 first. You have declared today that the Lord is your God. Okay. Declared today. What kind of version do you have? ESV. Okay. Yeah. So, so Rabbi Jonathan Sachs listed out probably like twelve different ways, according to all these different translations, that they translate that specific word that is used to, to say all of these things, but it's the Hebrew word. And the reason there's a lot of ambiguity around what this word actually means is it's not used anywhere else in Scripture. This is the only place that it's used, and it's used twice. One, 18. yeah, one, where it says, today you have selected God, and then in 18, and today God has selected you. Yeah. And so, of course, because of this interesting... It's the... Uh, it's the word "hit uh, marta and then "hit emirta." It's it's in our thing right down here in the classic see, questions. See.
3: Yeah. Ha marta
2: Yeah. The uh, so because uh, it's it's even Rashi, and I've never seen Rashi ever say this before. I haven't read all of Rashi, but this is just unique <laughs> for him. He actually says there is no conclusive proof in Scripture as to what these two words mean. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's a big deal, right? And so. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs does a pretty good job of attempting to say, even if we don't know exactly what these words mean, we do know a couple of things. One, there there is a general connotation here of like distinguishing, selecting. Um, in in the, old, the King James Version, it's about. Um, yeah. you know, so it, I use that inherently. I think, I think uh, the, one of the versions says like um, you have like declared or or um, yeah, selected is, is what's used here. But the, 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 they're all kind of touching on this, this similar point that there is like a, a, a union or a bonding of, or, of some sort. Uh, and he talks about how, even if we don't know exactly what this means, we do know one thing is very important. This is describing the, the thing that we did with God and then the thing that God did with us. And so there's like this, this back and this forth. And he has this great, great conclusion that we are participating in one of the most unique faiths in the world and it's it's a faith that has a book the Tanakh that contains actual conversation Mm. between God and his people and he, he even points out like that's you can't even find that in the New Testament you can't even find that in the Quran or any of the other books they don't talk about or they don't show or describe a conversation between a human and God but yet we see that here and he talks about how that's so important to our faith, is that there's this unique and deep relationship that is based on speech, because that's the other thing that both these words have in common, that they are actually related to the most common word used in all of Scripture, and it's the the verb to say, um, leomer. Uh, That's one of the roots here. So it's like one of the most common words throughout all of Scripture, but yet like this particular form of it, I think he says it's the causative form, that is... Unique in all of the Tanakh, you you won't find it anywhere else. So I thought that was such a neat point that he raises here because it is cool that the, there is this back and forth. Today you have selected God. Today God has selected you. It of course reminded me of like that amazing uh, quote. I think it's First John, right? That says like you know, um, you you love God because He first loved you, right? Yeah. And I, that that concept is, is uh, an amazing thing here that we I feel like that we see. Um, that there is like this unique connection between that we have with yeah. God that no other religion really really has you know or, or even considers as important, so I thought that was uh, that was really a, a cool a cool on something that yeah. we probably would have just read over had we not known right and in the back of 18 he makes you
3: elite above all the nations that he made mm. in acclaim in renown and in splendor, being that you are a holy people to God mm. um, yeah, quite frankly, the world does not want to hear that. Yeah, they they look down on Jews, call them arrogant, call them this, call them that. Um, but I mean, if you take a look at the number of Nobel prizes that have been won by by country, Israel's over the top. If you look at the inventions that have changed the course of the world, Israel. It's over the top. I mean, just in batteries. It's astonishing. If you look at uh, vicarious altruistic kidney transplants, which are a kidney donation made by somebody who's alive to someone they don't know. Katie's got two kidneys, as far as we know. Katie doesn't have any kidney problems. Katie's perfectly healthy. And Katie decides to give a kidney away to somebody she doesn't know because she's got an extra one. That's altruistic kidney donation. There have been 1,177 altruistic kidney donations in the United States since 2010. 15% of those donations were made by Orthodox Jews. They make up two tenths of 1% of the population of our country. Yet they made 15% of those donations. And those types of donations are not family members to people you don't know. That's astonishing. That's the kind of people that God, that they become because God chose them. It's astonishing.
0: Rabbi Chabad said that even a dead fish can float downstream, but a select fish is picked to move against the
2: flow and go up. And that's the Jew. That's nice. Wow. Uh-huh. That's nice. Oh, that's cool. I like that's it. That's really cool. I like it. <laughs> nice. Uh, when, as we get into uh, verse twenty, or I'm um, sorry, chapter twenty-seven, we talk about these these big stones. They're all plastered with lime. That, this was so cool. But Mr. Schrach pointed out in his e-news this week that this almost sounds exactly like a mezuzah. You know, you've got your mezuzah as you walk into the door and inside is written parts of the Torah. Mm -hmm. And that's what was actually written on these giant stones was the words of the Torah. And they were right there at the the entrance of the the country, you know, of the entire land of Israel. And I thought that was so neat. Uh, I hadn't thought of that before because... This is, it, it is sort of odd, you know, you come through here and you're like, oh, wow, that's kind of interesting. I had, um, I had kind of dug into what this whole lime is, because that's usually the English translation is plastered with lime. And uh, when I had done some research on that, it seemed like this was kind of an interesting and weird sort of uh, paste derived from the breaking down of bones, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, that they would kind of plaster on everything. And I thought that was, that was sort of interesting, too, because if that was the case you know, what an interesting reminder, you know, that you see what happens if you don't keep the words of the commandments that are written here is that, you know, obvious in, in front of you are, you know, these, these bones because that, that brings death, right? Sin mm. brings death. Rages so that was sin kind of right? interesting. So the sins surely and then, of course, we've got the whole thing about the altar, which that, by the way, was so cool to be able to see in the land of Israel. We, we took a tour of the... Uh, the uh, museum for the Temple Institute. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they have like a, a ready-to-go working altar. It was pretty amazing because they basically found a bunch of stones that looked almost identical so that it formed a pretty solid-looking altar. Every time I always see like unhewn stones, I always think like the thing's just going to get ready to fall down because there's all kinds of weird shapes and stuff. But that's not the case at all. They, they found specific ones that stack very, very well. And it's it's ready and waiting. They're unhewn stones right there. Got yeah, all the garments, too. Yeah, all the garments, all the cool stuff. So that, that was, it was neat to be able to see that, to, uh, to kind of give a good visual when we come across these types of things in Scripture, to be like, ah, I know what that looks like. You know, I don't know where they got the stones, but uh, I'm sure it was from the land, and I'm sure it was hard to find ones that all looked really similar. The, uh, I, I, you know, I'd totally forgotten, too, as we get into the blessings of the uh, and curses of the two mountains, totally forgotten that that did act that was actually read and and listed in the book of Joshua when they entered in. There's like that whole I forgot what chapter it is in Joshua, it's probably chapter like chapter three, three or something. Yeah, chapter three maybe. Um, but yeah, it describes this very thing taking place. Uh, which I, I there was it's so neat to be able to read something like a mitzvah here, and then you read later in Scripture. They kept that exactly what happened. They kept a
1: the mitzvah.
2: Yeah, and it's that, kind of cool, too, because our, our Apostolic Scripture reading this week, uh, Yeshua ta- the, the very first part of it is Yeshua, um, tell, it says, uh, this is what I meant when I was still with you and told you everything written about me in the Torah of Moshe and the Prophets and the Psalms all had to be fulfilled. And it's neat because, I mean, even, even that example of, this is exactly what you do when you enter the land. Now we read about the entering of the land, and that's exactly what they do. Just this cool fulfillment that just solidifies the the cohesiveness of all of Scripture. So that's, that's a, a cool thing. There was a little drosh here that was kind of interesting that talked about the number of curses. If anyone wants to talk, please do, by the way. I'm just like going here. I had a lot of coffee, so... Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: kind of. The, uh, the the people are cut in half, right? You've got six and six, so a total of 12. But if you count up the curses, which I never think to do stuff like that, the sages are so smart when it comes up with stuff like that. They're like, counting the curses. I would have never thought of that. Basically, there are 11 curses. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Why is there only 11? Why isn't there 12? There's 12 tribes of Israel. And their, their little uh, Rashi's explanation of that is that, well, it's because Shimon, which I forgot about too, that Moshe didn't actually give a blessing to Shimon, Simeon. and We talked about that, remember? The missing blessing. Yeah, yes, yeah, so there was a missing blessing. And so because he didn't get one a blessing, he didn't have a, a corresponding curse. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's why there are only 11, because these are corresponding to the blessings yeah, that each yeah. of the members of the tribes received like 12. It looks like 12. Where are you starting are to be? Are you arguing smoothie. with Rashi? <laughs> <laughs> I, just,
1: I thought maybe someone else was thinking the same thing. Where, where are you, where are you uh, starting? 15, a curse.
2: Oh, no, the last one, yeah, I guess they don't, I don't think they count the last one.
1: Mm. <laughs> the last okay, one is, is the like whole,
2: one. the whole, like, yeah, the curse be the, the one who does not uphold the words of this Torah and observe them. Mm-hmm. I think the reason they do that is because all, every single other one of the curses, they correspond to a story. So they have like a, a, an example of when that happened, whatever it's mentioning in the curse, and there isn't one for the last one because it's just an all-encompassing statement um, that isn't directly tied to one of the people. That's a really good point, though. I mean, that's true. It does seem like there, there are. Looks,
1: there is if you count them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that last one is, is a real doozy, because that basically applies to like everyone ever right. who doesn't uphold all the words of this Torah and observe them. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, bruch Hashem for the, the blood of Yeshua. One of the things that, that I, I was going to talk to the kids about is just that, that simple concept. You know, you read through these horrific things that, that take place and everything, and you think you're good to go. You know, it, oh man, I haven't done any of these crazy things that it's talking about, and then it just gets to that last one, and it's like, yeah, well, you're, you're cursed if you haven't done all of it, basically. You know, and uh, it reminds me of James too. You know, we, we see how it, how just breaking of one of the mitzvahs is you you breaking the whole you've broken the whole Torah. Um, and it's it's an interesting concept I think that even kids can understand where it's like you have this cause and effect right everybody knows you touch a, a hot stove what happens you're gonna get burned burn. you're gonna get burned you touch the tip of a sharp knife what's gonna happen yeah you're gonna get a little, a cut right and but it would just be it's almost unfathomable to think like but in in some cases and this is like the power of teshuva and the power of like this this whole our faith in Yeshua is that. What if you touched the stove and this other person got burned? It wasn't you. You deserve to get burned because of what you did, but it's someone else that got burned. I think Josiah and I should do that, and I'll Mm -hmm. go touch the stove. You know, and that's someone else (laughs) (laughs) that deliberately took that upon himself because he didn't want you to experience the full weight of God's wrath. Wow. You know, and that's just, it's so powerful to think of it that way because... These are they're they're pretty scary stuff. That as we we don't even probably won't even well, dive not, in too far into it. But like
0: you said, it is very powerful because you don't want anybody else to get hurt. Exactly. Like you did, but yet that's exactly what
2: happened. Yeah, that's exactly what what Yeshua did on our behalf. And it just makes it so real to think about that. I remember there was an amazing uh, little. It was like a, on YouTube, a guy that spoke at this big youth conference, and I it just it stands out to me so much because the guy w- was saying it was uh, Paul Washer. And he was saying to, like, this group of teenagers just, like, basically, you know, really rattling their cages about how important a relationship with with Yeshua is. And at one point, he was like, do you you know like, what I'm saying when I say, like, he died for you? Like, do you even get that? You know, and he's getting, like, all into it. He's like, he actually died. Like, he really died for you, you know? Like, endured, like, one of the most excruciating deaths you could possibly imagine for you, you know, just driving it into them. And it, it was was reported that like everybody basically left in tears you know just after hearing that because that isn't talked about on that like personal level as often as it should be you know McDonald's we talked to them about this concept with the kids as we're teaching our kids and they have a lot of neat ideas and a lot of neat stuff that they do with their girls to drive home this point that it's a a personal and unique relationship with Yeshua that we have not just a national one not just a all of us in uh, one in Messiah but it's like no personally too that he rescued us from the wrath of God.
3: What you're, what you're saying reminds me of uh, Spurgeon's uh, sermon, uh, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." Well, wasn't it
2: Jonathan? Yeah, Edwards? It was it wasn't Jonathan Edwards. 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 Yeah, yeah, Jonathan because Edwards. Yes. He's,
3: yeah, he's that's bored. right. And he read he's it. Read, yeah, yeah. So he yeah. wasn't even compassion. He just read it, and people were screaming and falling in the aisles and fainting. They were so. Taken by the wrath of God and you're you're like hanging on a spider web over the flames of hell. And he didn't even yell or anything. He was just reading, you are like I hanging from a spider web over the flames of hell. And most people don't realize, but a, a fire actually broke out in the building next to the church while he was preaching, and they actually saw flames through the window, which probably helped the presentation wow. yeah. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But, yeah. yeah, an amazing, uh, amazing dealer. So, uh, so I'm so missing for that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <He'd> probably <laughs> paid for that. Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm 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 missing something. So Morgan was so quick uh, with Andy here to count that there was nine, not eight, or something like that. No, twelve, not eleven. Okay, twelve, not eleven. So I, you know, I'm looking at it, and I get like fifteen pages of curses, and I'm wondering, you know, where, where are they counting? Are we starting at twenty-eight fifteen?
2: No, 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 no. We, no, were, no. we were all the way back to 27. 27 we were going 15. through 27, 14, oh, uh, 15. Oh, okay, so I'm like ahead of you. Yeah, yeah you're going to are These are all the going 66. It was the ones that they
3: would say. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, there's a ton of Holy those. God. yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm reading about that, and, and uh, he says this is the Rav, uh, the Rebbe says, the admission here in Parsha Kitabo contains. 98 curses. I read that, and then Morgan says.
0: It looks like there's 12.
3: Like 12. She got 12 out of 98? I'm sure I taught her math better than that. Whereas the admonition, Parsha Bakukotai, contains half that amount, only 49 curses. And in Morgan's version, there's only 12. So we're reading multiple curses there's two sections of curses well so
2: the the ones that we were talking about I'm going back to 27 now where are yeah, we at? The, these were the ones that were oh on the mountain yeah on the mountain oh these are the ones they yeah, said because, because okay. and the reason uh, that there's a correlation is because it had broken up the tribes right right i Yeah, gotcha. yeah. i got gotcha, you gotcha. that, that was why yeah they right. were like why isn't it 12 not 11 Gotcha. Or, right yeah 12 not yeah, 11 11 why is 11 not, why, 12? Why is it 11 not 12 yeah. even though there is so 12 so here when we get into yeah. 28 well, it'll be a good conversation with Rashi later or yeah. 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 28 yeah. for In the, the consequences years. to failing <laughs> to observe the
3: <laughs> we're going to read 90 <laughs> curses which is why that particular reading took so darn long yeah. Yeah. oozing yeah. sores you know, and, and Mike is like oozing sores, hemorrhoids and lesions, dry lesions, bewilderment and I know, he hates that. Can yeah. that not just be hidden blessings somehow? <laughs> I hope so. so. Although I've experienced
2: some of these, and if they come out that way then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, we do that. For me. <laughs> just, uh, on a, on a more pleasant, uh, more pleasant note, I, I had forgotten to yeah, mention it, right before this blessings and cursings. There's another one, one of those like little scripture verses that just packs a punch when you have the right commentary that, that flushes it out for you. In uh, Just real quick in 27 verse 9, it's one of those that says, Moshe and the priests uh, of Levi spoke to all of Israel saying, pay attention and listen, O Israel, today you have become a people to God your God. And uh, Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch talks about how this is a unique characteristic of the Jewish people because they didn't become a nation. It says, he says, their nationhood wasn't forged at the point when they had gained their own land or it wasn't formed when they had developed a common language or developed a common culture. But it was on the day, it says, today you have become a people to God. Their nationhood formed on the day that they accepted the Torah. Mm -hmm. The, it's, he's, the way that he puts it is, on the day they pledged to uphold the Torah, because that's what they say at the end of the that's blessings, cool. you know, all these things we will do. So I, that's a kind of a neat characteristic of, of, uh, of the Jewish people and, and how important they are to Hashem. God chosen and accepted the choice. Yes, absolutely. We uh, There's, of course, a lot of, of these uh, really scary things uh, and a lot of really good things that it talks about. At first, the blessings are just incredible, and uh, there's a couple, a couple of the, the commentaries that try to pair up some of the blessings with some of the curses, or some of the blessings with some of the consequences. You know, pointing out like, uh, you know, when um, just like when a thief takes something, according to the Torah, when he's caught, he has to pay back double, and that's sort of what happens because these curses re- describe like. You know that everything is just going to be ripped from your arms. You know all of the goods and all of the places that you live and your your sheep, your cattle, your children, your wife, everything. You know is going to be taken from you. But when there's repentance and when Messiah returns, those things, the nations will come and be giving those things back to the Jewish people many many folds over, because it was it was uh, stealing in a sense. Mm. So that was kind of an interesting. Interesting thing we already talked to you about getting well,
0: yes. through the daily dose of Torah and how everybody was always watching Moshe and how he's such a great man and all these miracles are happening around him, right? right. And right. but he's not entering the land with them, and so now that they see that it's not necessarily Moshe that's doing all these miraculous events, but yet it's God, and so they have that faith going in to the land that is it
2: yeah. is God right. he's about
1: to die mm.
3: that's so, cool um, Alan and I noticed that the aliyot as you read each day was fine until you get I mean the fifth reading starts at 2711 and you read the blessings and the curses until you get to eight seven. the sixth reading was just horrible you start with the very last part of the blessings and in 2815 you keep going page after page after page after page until you get to the end of the chapter and you've got literally a few of the blessings and 90 curses it took fifteen minutes just to read all this bad, nasty, terrible stuff, and at the end you're almost weeping. It's been so bad. And then the seventh reading the next day, which was this morning, is four verses. I got like six pages. I got to read here. It was unbelievable.
2: Yeah. The uh, one of the one of the interesting things about verse twenty-eight, chapter uh, or chapter twenty-eight, verse three. Where in in the blessings list it says you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. This is so neat. But uh, this particular rabbi, Rabbi Bunim of Pesicha. Oh him! Yes, we, we all remember him. Yeah. He uh, he had talked about how this concept of blessed will be in the field and uh, in in the city. Um, it's it's this idea of a true that It's a guide that. Uh, he's saying it, it's not the tzaddik in a fur coat. It's kind of like that uh, that cool um, analogy that they give. You know, a true righteous person doesn't walk around in a fur coat when it's cold out. He lights a fire so that he's not only warming himself but those warming around him. Others, yeah. You know, and a true tzaddik is a guy that that would do this. That he is a blessing in the city and in the field. That he his blessing isn't just internal, maybe just for him and his wife or just for him and his family, but he blesses all nice. those around him. Nice. And that was actually kind of a cool segue because mm-hmm. what did that make you think of? It's like Yeshua's talking about the light, you know, you don't hide your light mm-hmm. un- under a, a bushel. You know, you, you want it you want it to shine for everybody. And I think that's that's a, a really good segue into our uh, our Haftara, if there isn't isn't anything else on the Torah. Page two eighty six if you get a good click. Is it actually in there?
3: I thought it was in all of them in. I thought it was in here. Isn't so also boat? in here. Also?
2: Oh. Oh. So at what the end of each of well, I didn't even realize well, that. Well, if one you want to,
3: just talk more. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah. yeah, Sophia? Um, just like in our song, Too High to hide the Light in your brochure. And then she said, no. Yeah, no, I'm going to let it shine. That's exactly right, <laughs> Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that light, according to our Torah reading, that light is our Torah observance. Keeping the mitzvot, we want to we want to keep the mitzvot and take care of the people around us.
1: It's also Yeshua.
2: It's also Yeshua's Yeshua. Light. Yeshua's light, exactly. Yeah, that and and we're kind of getting into that in this week's homily, yeah. just to see this divine light that we have the opportunity to participate in. Yes, and Yeshua does make it clear that his light is in all of his disciples. Amen. And that uh, it's it's clear that when we demonstrate love, when we demonstrate righteousness, that is a proclamation of our allegiance to Yeshua. So, we had, uh, we didn't get a chance to read, of course, the, the Haftar. It was from Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 22. Uh, which, and it's, and it's really amazing. And then uh, the the uh, Apostolic Scripture reading was from Luke 24, 44 uh, through the end of the chapter. And they, uh, there's a really cool correlation between both, but this, is, this just was so neat because I, I've been excited about reading all of the, this, this Haftarah and then the next one. The next one is the seventh one of Consolation. Because of uh, a couple of portions ago, we had, I had mentioned that the, uh, the Chabad.org had an interesting commentary about how all of the seven Haftarot of Consolation all kind of ascend in, in its level of Consolation. And boy, doesn't this one do a great job? It is just spectacular to think about a time when when all of this stuff happens. I mean, it would... I, I think about Diana... We're, we're, oh.
3: Hang on. Did everybody get a chance to read it, or should we read it? Before? Anybody? Everybody? Did nobody get a chance to read it? Did we? Nobody got Haftar? a chance to read it? Let's You're read it. waiting for it. I'm Sophia? Am I read it? Mm-hmm. Did you read the Haftar? Let's read it. Maybe just the Kutnik guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Give us the Haftar. Arise, shine, and rejoice, O Jerusalem, for your light has arrived, and God's glory has shone upon you. Darkness and suffering will cover the earth, and thick clouds will cover the nations, but God will shine the light of salvation on you, and his glory will be seen on you. Nations will follow your guiding light, and kings, your shining brilliance. Jerusalem, raise your eyes, look around, and see how everybody has gathered together and are coming to you. Your sons will come from afar, and your daughters will be reared by kings. When you see this, you will glow with joy. Your heart will throb and swell. For the many possessions of the people who live in the West will be turned over to you, and the wealth of nations will come to you. You'll be covered by hordes of camels and young camels from Midian and Haifa brought as gifts. They will all come from Sheba, carrying gifts to God of gold and incense, and they will declare God's praises. All the sheep of Kedar will be gathered up and brought to you. And the rams of Nebaiot, will serve all your needs. They will be accepted favorably on my altar and I will glorify the house of my splendor by causing the nations to come with gifts of gold and silver. Go, John.
0: People will ask, who are these exiled people that are returning so quickly like soaring clouds and like doves to their cook widows? For the people of the islands are gathering with the ships which cross the Sea of Tarshish in the lead. To bring your sons from afar, along with their silver and gold, as a gift for God. All this will happen for the sake of the name of God your God, the Holy One of Israel, who glorifies you. Foreigners will rebuild the walls of your cities, and their kings will serve you. For I struck you in my anger, but in my grace I had mercy on you. Your gates will always be open. They will not close day or night, so the wealth of nations may be brought in to you with their kings in procession. For whatever nation or kingdom does not serve you will perish, and those people will be utterly destroyed. The glorious trees of Lebanon will be brought to you together, cypresses, fir, and box trees, to glorify the site of my sanctuary. I will use them to honor the site of my footrest, the holy temple. The children of your oppressors will come to you stoop, and all those who disgraced you will prostrate themselves at the soles of your feet. They will call they will call you Zion, city of God, the Holy One of Israel. Instead of being abandoned and hated, with no one passing through, I will make you an eternal prodigy, a joy for all generations. You will suckle the milk of nations, and nurse from the breasts of kings. Then you will know that I am God, your Savior, your Redeemer the mighty one of Yahoo. In place of the bronze which the nations took from you, I will bring gold, and in the place of the iron, I will bring silver. In the place of the wood, I will bring bronze. And in the place of the stone, I will bring iron. In the place of your aggressive tax-collecting government, I will make a peaceful, friendly one. Hallelujah. And in the place of your debt collectors, I will place people that come to perform justice. Corruption will no longer be hurt in your land, nor robbery and ruin in your borders. You will call your walls salvation of God, and your gates glory of God. You will no longer need the sun for daylight, nor the moon to shine at night. God will always be your light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, and your moon will not be eclipsed by another nation. For God will always be your light and the source of power. Your days of mourning will come to an end. Your people will always be righteous, since the wicked will have perished. They will inherit the land forever, never to be exiled again. They are the shoot I planted, my handiwork in which I take pride. The smallest tribe will become a thousand times the size, and the youngest tribe, a mighty nation. Since I am the all-powerful God, I will hasten the smallest tribe to expand in the time of the
2: redemption. Amen. that's cool stuff. That that really is amazing. It really is amazing. I mean, I it gets you very excited, and and it's cool that we get we ended up having this reading. It, it's well, it's definitely not a mistake. Let's put it that way. It's definitely not a mistake. We're reading this now, because Rosh Hashanah. I mean that you can't get much more close to that whole idea of hastening Messiah and the the blowing of the shofars and the, you know, that that whole concept is all about Messiah. And then you've got Sukkot representing that, uh, the eight, eight, you know, the eight festival that's representing that amazing time of of the world to come and dwelling with Hashem, you know, in His presence. So it's it's so cool to be able to read these and, and get really excited about being able to walk out parts of this now with the festivals that he's given us to, to keep. One of the things besides light that I feel like is an interesting common thread between the portion and, and even the Apostolic Scripture reading is this whole idea of having, your, you know, about seeing, about having your eyes opened. The uh, in, in the Torah portion, towards the end there, there's this cool verse that talks about... Um, in 29 verse 3 it says until this day god has not yet given you a heart to recognize eyes to see or ears to hear and that is that's a really interesting thing to to be to, to say in this week's portion uh, presumably you know until this day you haven't had it now you will have it and um, and then here in uh, in this week's haftarah I thought the, the interesting thing is the, uh, in verse 4, chapter 60, verse 4, it talks about raise your eyes, look around and see how everybody is gathered together. Um, and you're, you're kind of seeing what's, what's happening and, and, and presumably perceiving what's all taking place, that it's not just you know a, a fun festival going on, but that it's, it's the, the actual redemption. And then Yeshua, it specifically says, after Yeshua talks to his disciples, it says, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Tanakh telling them, here is what it says, the Messiah is to suffer and to raise from the dead on the third day, and in his name, repentance leading to forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed to people from all nations, starting with Yerushalayim. Mm-hmm. So that it was cool that they, they picked that one too, that to tie all these threads together, that it is Hashem that gives us the eyes to see, mm-hmm. the ears to hear, and the uh, mouth to speak as well. And so we, we have... I think, a, a big obligation before us. You know, the fact that we have come to the understanding that we have, it's not something to be prideful or to boast about, you know, as, as Paul puts it. You know, we, we're just grafted in, you know, and, and the, the grafted in branches shouldn't be boasting against the, uh, the native-born branches. But the the thing that we have as a responsibility, I feel like, that's, that's so important is to make sure that we're carrying with us the light, you know, as described through, throughout here, that light of Yeshua, um, because he's given us the, such an amazing opportunity to understand and perceive these things in Scripture. So many people read over the stuff that we're talking about that makes us so happy to talk about, and they don't get it. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't seep in. You know, It doesn't change their life. And that was uh, another thing I ended up hearing another pastor talk about at one point that really stood out to me. It was just this whole concept. He was saying, like, you know, if I'm standing in front of you guys, and I say that I, I just got hit by a truck as, as I was on my way here, You'd be looking at me and being like, what are you talking about? You're, you look fine. And it's like, and if I'm standing up here saying that, you know, I believe in Messiah, but I don't look any different, like, you shouldn't believe me either. Because people that are in Messiah, they look very different. Mm-hmm. Something changes. That's and, cool. You know, you're never the same. And, uh, and we, yes, sir. I'm looking right here. Yahu Shimoni, Arash,
0: And rejoice, all Jerusalem, for your light has arrived according to the Midrash. This first refers to the spiritual illumination offered by Mashiach. Mm. Mm. So these guys too mm. are, looking are looking to yeah. Mashiach.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the uh, Chabad.org commentary mm. talked. Uh, right. they, they sort of every time throughout the Haftarah that they read light, they kept thinking like inspiration, wisdom, the thing that the, the revelation, not the just light, the light, right? but like the actual like now we're gonna actually understand even more than we yeah. have. You know, we, we we come to God with a simple faith, with a simple understanding. But someday He's going to reveal the depths of Scripture to us that are just going gonna, gonna to blow us away. It's gonna, it's really gonna blow us away. This is, it's a neat. Uh, it, it's neat too that the, our apostolic Scripture portion ties into uh, the, the whole. Because what what is this all talking about? It's talking about Zion, the city of God. Uh, even in the beginning, it talks about arise and shine. In in my version, because it's probably from the Targum, it it fills in, uh, and rejoice, O Jerusalem. I don't know if others have Jerusalem in theirs, but, um, it's, it's just really cool because, uh, in, in this week's Apostolic reading afterwards, it, uh, it says, he led them out toward Beit Enah and Yah, then raising his hands, he said a blessing over them. And as he, was saying, he, as he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. They bowed in worship to him, then returned to Jerusalem, overflowing with joy. And they spent all their time in the temple courts, praising God. And so this, this amazing, joyous, and very revealing experience that they had, because it says that their minds were opened, and they had this incredible revelation of Yeshua, uh, this all happened in Jerusalem. And they took that joy with them and went straight back into it. I think that's so cool. They spent all their time in the temple, praising God, right where it's talking about here, because the, the commentary talks about this, uh, where it says, rise and shine. Mine fills it in right here, where it says um, in chapter, or uh, in verse 13, at the end of that, it says, I will use them to honor the sight of my footrest." And this version fills in the Holy Temple. I mean, where else we, right. we know in, in other parts of Scripture that that is what he's describing. So that, that's just—it's such a cool tie together. Yes, sir. The
3: uh, for those who are unfamiliar, Luke twenty-four fifty, where Greg started reading, um, lifting up his hands is is a Jewish euphemism for the ironic blessing. Mm-hmm. The only time hands are lifted, right? So most of us have heard this before, but um, that in that day was never done by a non-priest. You had to be a priest to do it. And, uh, the tradition was that as soon as you saw his hands go up in the shape of the sheen, you needed to put your eyes down because the Shekinah, the very fire of God, would light on his fingertips. And you didn't want to look at the Shekinah of God. He might go blind. Who knows, who knows what? Or he struck dead. Um, so as soon as this man, this Messiah, lifted up his hands and began to bless them, which would traditionally have been the Aaronic veneration, their, their heads would have gone down. And they'd be looking down at the ground, probably at his feet. And that's when he was parted from them and lifted up in heaven. So I'm seeing movement. I'm always looking for sounds in the scripture, but I'm seeing movement now. Right, so I see hands go up, I see heads go down. I hear a Jewish man start to sing a blessing, and I see heads go up and jaws go down. As they're like, saw the guy walk on the water, never saw him fly. This is amazing. And later on we see the... uh, the uh, angel rebuking them. what are you staring at what are do you doing mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. so this is uh, for those who question that Messiah would be part of part of the priesthood right well he was not part of the Levitical priesthood uh, but certainly is our as the writer of Hebrews says our high priest mm-hmm. and this is uh, as I believe at the beginning of his ministry as our high priest because now he's going to intercede for us as the right viewer says Mm -hmm. he ever intercedes for us this Mm -hmm. is a constant deal
1: so, cool stuff
2: yeah kind of in conclusion and and anyone else has stuff to say the uh, last kind of thought that I had here in the uh, in the half was how kingly and majestic the descriptions are just about, because when you think of like a, a very, an amazing kingdom, like Solomon's kingdom or, or David's kingdom, you do think about the the incredible structures that have been put in place to defend against enemies. You think about the incredible wealth that they've amassed. You know, you think about the, the vast number of people, you know, you think about, a lot of the stuff that's talked about here—you think about flourishing trees, even, you know—and so a lot of this imagery—it's—it's it's so cool to think about that it's describing the kingdom, the kingdom when Yeshua returns, that will be established. And what's so cool is you think about that first and second coming pairing with, like, you know, the the whole Jewish idea of Messiah ben Yosef and Messiah ben David, that the first one it was it was a lowly time and it was things needed to kind of kind of disseminate from from within a, a core group of people and be be with the, the lowly of the people to demonstrate what true love looks like you know to demonstrate the, the compassion of God and it's just so exciting to think that that second time this is gonna be the rain this is gonna be when when the kingship is put in place and and it's so cool that we're reading again it's so cool that we're reading this now you know uh, as the Spurlocks would say hashtag King is in the fields <laughs> you know Um just before when we were praying, Sophia kept pointing out all the, the references to king throughout Shakari. And I had never really thought about how often it's referenced. And that's yet another little thing that's embedded in our prayers that remind us of a time coming when God will reign as king. Amen. You know, that Yeshua will sit on the throne and we will we'll be in the best place you could be. And it will be right with him and it will be in just an incredible, majestic, and awe-inspiring City. Any uh, any other comments on the? Uh, I was kind of soaking, soaking in the glory of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's exciting. It All is. Right. I love talking about this stuff with you guys too, because we, as a community, you know, we participate throughout Elul as a community. We read through the Haftarah, the Torah, as a community. We're going to participate in Rosh Hashanah, and it's going to be a really fun time. Mm-hmm. Really fun time. Mm-hmm. So,
3: It's kind okay, of an interesting tie-in, too, between where you, I think, where you started, or close to where you started, and in the, uh, the end of the apostolic reading, uh, you know, where in Deuteronomy 28:47 47, it says, because you did not serve the Lord your God in joyfulness and gladness of heart.
1: Mm. Mm.
3: That's why these things are going to come upon you. Yeah. And at the very end of the reading from Luke, they went back. And it's, they didn't just go back. It specifically says they went back with great joy. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and exactly that's so that's so cool. That's an excellent point. And not only did they just go back, but then they went and praised God in the temple, presumably where a lot of mitzvot are taking place. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. And that that is kind of that point going back to what that pastor was referencing. It's like there has truly been this change. If your eyes have been opened and there's this joy welling up inside of you, something's going to be different. You're gonna, Look what happened to them. They ran, They hightailed it back to Jerusalem because of how happy they were. They couldn't wait to get back to God's city and to, and to participating in God's service. So, cool stuff. Cool stuff. And I, I feel blessed to be a part of a community that I I am always feeling the joy at all of the events that we have. It is. It's a joyous thing, and I think we're experiencing, as all of the kids are getting older and kids are getting bar mitzvahed, we're experiencing like a reinvigoration of joy from that younger generation, too. I mean, I I derive a lot of joy from from seeing the the Martin kids participating in things and seeing my kids participating in things. It's it's really, really neat. So, may we continue to be joyful as we await the coming of Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Mm -hmm. Will you close this, please? Good Father, we thank you
3: what a glorious shabbat it is we look forward to the coming of your son soon and in our days we pray father for those in distress today on the sabbath because of the storms pray that you would comfort them provide relief for them through your people and father help us help us to understand our relationship to you help us to understand our obligation to you and father help us to understand our reliance on you. We pray for the soon coming of your Messiah, Yeshua. We pray, Father, that you would find us faithful when he comes and all God's people say. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gregory. Thank you very much.